0: Uh, if you uh, have your Bible with you tonight, turn with me to Philemon, little book of Philemon. I know we've been here before recently. Uh, if you turn to the book of Revelation and then go to the left, you'll run into Philemon. Uh, I never get tired of hearing the old old story of the gospel. I, I never tire of preaching it. If anything, I feel like I wasn't faithful sometimes to preach about the blood. Amen. It wasn't just his death that saved me from sin, it was his blood. And Jesus uh, bled to death on that cross. So I thank you for that song tonight. And uh looking at the book of Philemon, it's right before Hebrews. We've gone through this whole letter together, but I just wanted to bring a message out of it. And so I'll begin reading in Philemon. There's only one chapter, so I'll begin with the first verse. And Beth and I have been trying to think of proverbs. I'm still stuck on that uh, family proverbs, and she has one, uh, and we used it today. She says, uh, she says, touch with your eyes. You know how when you show kids something, they want to grab a hold of it and touch it. And so I said, I said, well, look with your eyes, or touch with your eyes, and not with your hands. And Beth just says, touch with your eyes. So that's a simple one. And then another one is, uh, oh, it just, man, just like that, it's gone. I knew I should have written it down. But now we're starting to pay attention to this and starting to collect these things. Uh, Oh, well, yes, here's another one. Uh, Little pictures have big ears. You ever heard that one? Little pictures have big ears. All these little sayings. The other one was what I was telling Brother Payne. Uh, my dad used to always say to me, uh, keep on the sunny side, you know, from that song. But I was prone to depression as a kid, and my dad saw that. I mean, he'd tell me, you know, life is hard, and everybody goes through hard times, but you've got to stay on the sunny side, and that's a choice you have to make. And that's so true, isn't it? So we're collecting these little sayings, these little proverbs, short, uh, wise sayings. But anyways, Philemon chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read there and then go down to verse 10. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And then down to verse 10. We'll read from 10 down to 18. I beseech thee for my son... Onesimus, that's his spiritual son, he had led him to Christ, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, which uh, when I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have "...retained with me, that in, my, in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. And if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. For just a few moments, I want to preach on the theme of God's authority with the idea in mind of that phrase that we're so familiar with, one nation under God, from the Pledge of Allegiance. One nation under God, I believe that speaks of God's authority. We're under, as a nation, and as people, as human beings, we are under the authority of God. We're also under His watch care and His providing hand and His protection, and all of those things. But I want to bring out the point, we're under God's authority. And I'll show you how I arrived at that. But let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You so much for the Word of God. I thank You uh, for these that have uh, come out tonight. I I pray that You'd bless every soul that's with us. And Lord, how we need You. And Lord, how uh, the blood of Christ is our only hope. Uh, in this life and in, and in the next. We thank you that the blood of Christ washes us away from uh, our sins and washes us clean and white, just as pure as any angel in heaven. And I'm thankful also, Lord, that it's through the blood that we're set free. Uh, God, I pray that you'd help us uh, to live under your authority. We were created for your pleasure. So I pray that, Lord, Uh, We might be people, not any better than anyone else, but people that are still found living under your authority when Jesus Christ comes back. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd come back now. It would solve all the problems in the Middle East. It would provide peace for Israel uh, after they go through the tribulation. But we look forward to seeing you. And Lord, I pray that when you come, that we'll be found waiting and watching. And Lord, help us by your spirit to do that. And Lord, uh, we look to you tonight. We also think of our nation. I'm going to say a few things about our nation. And God, we love the nation that we live in. Lord, we understand that we're only 5% of the world. And uh, we've been extremely blessed. And we are a privileged people. And God, we want uh, to ask you tonight to have mercy on our nation. And I pray for revival. Real, Holy Spirit, heaven-sent revival. To come to the pulpits of our land and to the churches, the the gathered assemblies of our land that still believe the book, still preach in the old gospel, still love Jesus and love your return. Help us, Lord. Bless our nation in Jesus' name. Amen. So talking about authority, let me just tell you simply uh, that Philemon, he's this this, uh, great businessman who lived in Colossae. And he was a Christian, he was a convert of Paul's, and his house was used for the church. It was a house church. So they met there in Philemon's house and used his facilities and all of that to provide hospitality for the church as they gathered. And he had a slave, uh, one of them, his name was Onesimus. And Onesimus was like a hired hand, he belonged to Philemon, And Onesimus evidently didn't want to live underneath Philemon's authority anymore. And so he took some things. We we put that together from the study of this letter. He took some things from him and and, uh, caused him a loss of income just by running away, you know. Uh, And he took off because he did not want to live under the authority of his master. And then you have Paul in this letter. Paul's the missionary. And uh, Onesimus, he ran into Paul. Paul led him to Christ and then was sending him back to Philemon to restore that, that broken relationship there. Now, these three men, we could, we could look at these three men as three uh, types. Philemon as a type of God. Onesimus as a type of the sinner who's running from God, doesn't want to be under God's authority, and Paul as a type of Jesus Christ, who reconciles us to the Father. So Onesimus is a type of a sinner who no longer wanted to be under the authority of Philemon, a type of God, so he ran away. That's a good type of a sinner in his attitude toward God and the Bible. Let me illustrate this way, concerning the authority of God and the Bible. Lawyers... Should never ask a Georgia grandma a question if they are not prepared for the answer. Found this this article an illustration, and it it really illustrates authority uh, to us. In a trial, a Southern small town prosecuting attorney called his first witness, a grandmotherly elderly woman, to stand. And ma'am, would you please stand? Before the court, he approached her and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, Why, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a boy. (laughs) And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie. You cheat on your wife. You manipulate people. You talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a big shot when you haven't the brains to realize that You'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. And the lawyer was stunned. He didn't know what to say after that. So he pointed across the room and asked Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She again replied, why, yes, I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster. He's lazy, bigoted, he has a drinking problem. He can't build normal relationships with anyone. And his law practice is one of the worst in the entire state. Not to mention he cheated on his wife with three different women and one of them was yours. <laughs> yes, I know him. <laughs> so the, the defense attorney, he nearly died. And at that point, the judge asked both counselors to approach the bench. And in a very quiet voice, he said, if either of you idiots asks her, if she knows me, (laughs) I'm going to give you both the electric chair. Now, that's authority. That's authority, man. Uh, What makes those things wrong? Those things that the attorneys were guilty of. What makes them wrong? Well, God's law. God's law is what makes those things wrong. Uh, It's not just getting caught, but it's God's law. And you know what I see in this? I see in Philemon a picture of the sinner's attitude toward God in the Bible today. And just briefly, I want to talk about that, how that's happening today. Number one, sinful, unregenerate man, he does not want to be under the authority of God today. That's the problem. Let me put it this way excuse me. The problem today is not our politicians, it's not politics, it's not parties the part the problem today is not even necessarily the media or you know the movies that's coming out or lgbtq and all that stuff those are symptoms of the problems right the, the problem today is not marxism uh, or you know, all of that stuff that comes along with it the problem today is a problem of authority Let's identify the real problem. Man does not want to live under the authority of God in America anymore. As a whole. As a whole. I was watching this old street preacher. One of my new heroes. I've uh, Told you a little bit about him. He's over in Glasgow, Scotland. He's a minister in the Free Church of Scotland continuing. They continue to be a Bible-believing. They had to split off from the Church of Scotland because it was apostate and start a new denomination. It's a Bible-believing, evangelistic denomination. And he goes out and he preaches. He street preaches in the open air on Fridays and Sunday afternoons on the Lord's Day. And he has uh, just people thronging him all around him. He has a camera set up going one way and a camera looking at him. And that's not to be the spotlight, uh, or to to make himself out to be some kind of a hero or something, but he's doing that, you know, to protect himself. If anything happens, he's got a record of it on video. But he's standing there, and and he's just standing in the marketplace, you understand? And there's people sitting off one particular video that I watched. Uh, There's people sitting and having a meal outside of a restaurant. So they're on, like, the patio area, sitting, talking, having drinks, and so on. And he's just opening up his Bible, and he say, he'll say, Good afternoon, my name is such and such, and I'm with the uh, church, and he'll give the name of the church, and the Free Church of Scotland continuing, and I'm out here today to uh, bring to you the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And he'll go on and talk about the reason why I'm doing this is because we believe that we are commissioned by Jesus Christ. And under his authority, he's told us that we must go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he goes on in his presentation, it's very good. Uh, He goes on to say, the reason why we're doing this today is because in these days, folks don't want to come into the house of the Lord. On the Lord's day, uh, church has gone out of style. And so because folks don't come to church, we're coming out to you to bring this message. And he'll start talking about the law, start opening up the law to people to show them their lost sinful condition. Because uh, in Scotland, it's more progressive, even than what it is in America. We're catching up to where Europe is. You, you, you all know that. Uh, but we'll be there eventually. And as this man is standing there preaching, you understand his, he's a, he's an elder in his church. He's also he's an older gentleman. Uh, he is... He's proving that Christianity is real by his public testimony and witness. And as he's preaching, some of the things that people say is shocking. First of all, they're not, they're not respecting his age. They're not respecting that he's a minister. You know, they, they wear the shirts with the backwards collars. Uh, they do that. They're, they're not Catholics, but there's other people who do that. So it's obvious this man is a minister. But people will come up to him and say stuff like this. They'll say, Jesus was a sinner, like that, just in the middle of his preaching. And I think, man, they got some gall just just interrupting him. He's not yelling at people. He's not belligerent. He's got a microphone, and he's he's, uh, presenting things logically and clearly and politely. And they'll say stuff like that. And I think, man, somebody said Jesus is a sinner. I feel sorry for that person when they get to the judgment one of these days. My goodness, they're going to have to eat those words. Uh, somebody else would walk up and say uh, that uh, he, he'll talk about hell and judgment and the penalty for sin and another guy walks up and he, and he says, God's not like that and that man is a Muslim. And he says, yes sir, he is like that and God is a trinity, a triune God, three persons in one Godhead, but one God and he knows he's talking to a Muslim. And then another person comes up and, and just saying, uh, you're just... Uh, You're know you causing a public nuisance, a public uh, noise problem. And and then they call the cops on him, and then the cops come and tell him to quiet down. And he makes the the comment that in Glasgow, if you call the cops because you've been robbed, it'll be about 30 days before they get there, because they know they're not going to catch the person. And you call the cops because somebody's preaching the gospel out in the open, and they're there within minutes. He said there's a problem with that. You know what the problem is today? People don't want to live under the authority of God. In preaching the Ten Commandments, he says that uh, the that one of the Ten Commandments is "Thou shalt not commit adultery." That means uh, sex outside of marriage, and that also has underneath it uh, that the limitation that is marriage is between one man and one woman, and uh, that is the way that God has ordained it. And as soon as he says that, of course, he has hecklers coming in, saying, laughing, you know, saying, you know. Uh, that's your opinion and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? If you go out into a public place and just really just preach the Ten Commandments, you'll find out where people are. Um, I'm preaching to the choir in here. And just watching that, it's, it's just got me thinking, we need a ministry like that. Probably over at the college campus would be the only place where we could get people on their feet and out and about. Maybe down in Pomeroy during the lunch hour. Might be able to get some folks out to hear the gospel. But if we do that, I've been there, I've done it, and you'll find out exactly how people feel about Jesus, about the gospel, and about the blood. Um, People do not want to live under the authority of God in this country anymore. Secondly, if there's such a thing as a doctrine that sinful man hates more than any other doctrine, I think it would be this, that the God of the Bible... ...is our creator. I think people hate that doctrine. You know why I think that? It's because we've swallowed... ...the lie of millions and billions of years. I heard a guy from Answers in Genesis... ...I won't tell you everything that he said... ...but he said this. He said that, that whole thing of evolutionary ideas... ...Darwinian evolutionism... ...he said that thing was the Trojan horse... And he said our country was able to bring that into the education and the church accepted it because the church, by and large, didn't want to seem like, you know, we were a bunch of dumb hillbillies that didn't know anything. And so we wanted to be accepted by the educational elite and be respected. And so therefore, we accepted a form of evolution that would also, like creation, uh, evolution, that would also fit with that. And you know what that is? They, they say that when that happened, the people who were there and paying attention to it, they say that it really didn't cause that much of an uproar in mainline Christian churches. Now, it would in churches like ours. But in mainline Christian churches, it was the Trojan horse. And once the Trojan horse gets into the city, then they're able to in, invade the city and tear down the walls. That's exactly what's happened. In, in, in our schools, children are being taught billions and millions of years and when they, he- they come into church here and they hear me preach about Adam and Eve, that doesn't line up with the whole caveman theory. And so at the door, I'll have kids ask me, what about the dinosaurs? That's happened several times. You see, the dinosaurs is what Satan has used to get kids to, to uh, discount the Bible, forget about this, and to look to secular education. And... One of the things that that guy in Answers in Genesis was talking about, he said there's a Harvard professor today, Harvard, who says that Darwinian evolution and the things that he was teaching that, that, that started the whole idea of racism and the difference between the races and the people in Pygmy being you know, less evolved than us and that kind of stuff. He said we know now today that, that his uh, views were not science, truly, that he called them snake oil. Darwinian evolutionism. He called it a Harvard professor, secular, not a Christian, called it snake oil. So they're not taking it seriously anymore. So now they're going to change what they say and their stance. You know what that is? You've got to get rid of God being a creator. We've got to find some way that, and this is Satan behind all of this, to get away from that creator uh, doctrine. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And He created that about 6,000 years ago. (laughs) Not 6 billion years ago. About 6,000 years ago. If you believe your Bible, you can't accept evolution and creationism at the same time. They are opposed. And by the time church has figured it out, it was too late. The damage is done. It's not just in public schools, folks. It's in seminaries all over the place. I opened up La Tourée, his church history. It's a standard in church history used in seminaries for years and years and years. And now they've moved on to different authors. La Tourée, you open that up and you look at the first chapter and you know what he'll start telling you? Around six billion years ago, so on. Start talking about billions of years. Then there was this big bang. And then so many millions of years ago, talking about, you know, immigration of people and moving about the earth and so on and so forth. Evolution in a Christian church history. So it's infiltrated everybody. And it's the Trojan horses, I said. Now, here's the thing. If you can get kids to forget about the idea that God is creator then those kids grow up to be adults and if you can do that for one generation, two generation, three generation before you know it mankind is out from underneath a creator god and now man is free and what you have is naturalism. And you know what the thing you know the thing about that is think about it for just a second and I'll move on to the next point. If God is creator, if God is creator, then we're responsible to him. Right? Somebody says, uh, you know, you, you tell me that this is wrong. And what right do you have to tell me that this is wrong? And I say, it's not me that's telling you that it's wrong. It's God's book. And they say, well, that's just a bunch of fairy tales written by a bunch of men, you know. No, no. The thing is, is if there, if there really is a creator God, and if he made me, that means he's got the right to tell me what to do, Right? My mom says, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. My mom and my dad, by right, had the authority to tell me what to do until I hit 18. And I got sick and tired of that, so I went out and joined the army. Amen? But they had the right to tell me what to do. But God, as being my creator, has the right to tell me what to do, to make laws to govern his universe, and to hold me accountable. And so you start showing people the law, and you show them, have you ever lied? You have lied. You ever committed adultery? Yeah, I have. Uh, you ever stolen anything? Yes. Uh, do you think you put God first in your life? No, God's not even a part of my thoughts. Okay, so you've broken about four or five of the commandments. You ever dishonored your mom and your dad? Yeah. Okay. If you were to stand before God right now and he was your judge, would you be innocent or guilty? And they say, well, I guess I'd be guilty. You know, we've seen this, right? It works. I guess I'd be guilty. All right. Do you think that you'd go to heaven or you'd go to hell? And you see, at that moment, they realize if there is a creator God, if he does hold me accountable and if he will judge me, then I'm under his authority. So therefore, no creator God. We want to get rid of or we want to make up a God who's like a Santa Claus in the sky. A cosmic galactic Santa Claus who just ho, 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 you know, and gives you everything you want. That's what America has, if it has any God at all. So man is responsible to God, and that's why we had to get it out of the schools, you see. They couldn't push Marxism, they couldn't push that stuff, they couldn't push the sexual revolution in the 60s. They realized. You cannot have a sexual revolution unless you get God out of the national consciousness of people. And so they went to work in the seminaries and on the federal level. So man is responsible to God if he's created by him. Psalm 24, verse 1 The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Some people are in danger of being hurt. Or even killed just for telling people that you are responsible to God. And listen, you just try it. Try going out and telling somebody this. The marriage bed is honorable in all. In the bed, undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Try telling somebody that. And find out what they think about God's law. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, Solomon said, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. You know, uh, this is where it kind of hits close to home for us. Even many churchgoers become angry at the slightest suggestion that we owe anything to God. This is my next point. Even churchgoers, if, if the preacher gets up and preaches with authority. You know what I'm talking about? Can I just, can I say something? And I hope it's received in the right spirit. Uh, Paul told Timothy and he told Titus, two young preachers in training, right? He said, Timothy, Titus, when you preach, I'm putting in my own words, you preach with authority at church because listen, guys, you're preaching God's word. And when you stand up, don't be all mealy mouth. and I don't know, it could mean this or possible interpretation could be this. And well, you know, and if, and if you would, you could, you could try this. And no, stand up with authority and say, thus saith the Lord, right? And, and he told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, because men will. Write a preacher off, he'll say, you're young, I don't have to listen to you. You think that now. Wait till you get to the judgment. You think that's going to work standing before God? Oh God, I didn't have to listen to that preacher. That kid tell me. Lived twice as long as he ever lived. Knew more more than what he knew. And I don't have to listen to him. God say, that was my God called preacher preaching my word. And he told you to repent. And you rejected my word. You rejected an authoritative commandment from a man who's preaching to you out of a sense of love and concern for you, you know. People don't want to listen to the preacher anymore. It's not just God. It's it's not just God in the marketplace. It's God in the church house. It's the authority of the preacher. Preachers don't have authority anymore, right? I mean, I, I think you know this. Preachers don't have the authority that they used to have. So when a preacher tells somebody, this is what the Bible says, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to reprove, that's a soft correction, rebuke, that's a hard correction, exhort, that's encouragement, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Make sure you do plenty of teaching. So when you're listening to the preaching, it's not me. Sometimes you've got to look past the guy and the quirks and say he's a God-called man, I believe, and he's preaching the word of God. And God, through his sermon today, either reproved me, there's something I need to straighten up and get right, or rebuked me, or God encouraged me today, or today I learned something new, and that's all I needed today, or something like that. But when that comes, you've got to understand, you're responsible to God to obey my text. That's the way Charles Haddon Spurgeon would say it. You must obey my text. That's the authority... Of a preacher. Now, who is really sufficient for these things? No man is, but the Lord chose the foolishness of preaching. Isn't that something? He chose to do it this way. The foolishness of preaching. You know, Timothy and Titus, they were probably in their 30s, maybe 40s. Young men. But uh, even churchgoers will get angry when a preacher says that you owe God your time. So if there's something that needs to be done, show up. You owe God your money, because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Him. It all does. You owe God your respect, to respect the things of God. I don't know how many times I had to tell a teenager who was in my room... Uh, where I taught uh, Sunday school and had my youth group meetings, and there'd be a teenager in there just kind of like kicking back and, and like leaning up against the wall that I painted like two weeks before, leaning up against my wall or tipping back on my chairs, and I'd say, hey, sit up and listen. Right in front of everybody. Oh, what? He actually talks like a man? <laughs> I, can't, I can't walk all over him like I do my mom? No. Sit up and Listen. Pay attention. You're distracting others, you know. And with kids, you can be rough on them, and then five minutes later just be having fun with them and throwing ping pong balls and having chocolate chip cookie eating contests and stuff like that and teach them something too. But that authority, that sense of respect, this is God's business. We're doing God's work here. So uh, a lack of respect. You'll see it especially when you do funerals. I see it in funerals. People in the, in the funeral home, no respect for the things of God. No respect for the preacher. What happened? What happened? Well, the national consciousness of God being in our thoughts and in our ways is gone. It's gone. But the Holy Spirit can override. Does it make you angry when you hear a preacher talk about being generous and giving to the Lord's work? That makes people angry. I know this. I don't ever preach about money. But if you get your heart right, your wallet will get right. I know that. And the first time I ever heard a preacher say, you ought to faithfully give to the Lord's work. And we want to give to missions. And we did it by faith promise, giving over and above. A tithe. And if you don't believe in a tithe, that's fine. I do. That's just a benchmark. I want to give more than a tithe. And I, I... you know, I, you're not supposed to talk about your giving, but that's the, that's the low point. And then I give above that. But the uh, first time I heard that, I said, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. So that's what I started to do. And I've never wanted for anything. The Lord's always taken care of me uh, exceedingly abundantly. But you see, you start talking about money on a Sunday morning and people get upset. You know Why? Because they don't really live under the authority of God. If you really believed, and if I really believe that my body belongs to God, this is not my body, my choice. It belongs to God. My, my money, you know, which is represented by a piece of plastic, I do carry some cash sometimes. I like to have cash because if, if I'm going out to eat with somebody and they pay for it, I don't have anything to tip with. So I started trying to carry some cash for that. But my money... Belongs to the Lord, my time, my life. It all belongs to Him. Now, that's living under the authority of God. And you know what we want to do? We want to be like Philemon. And we want to run away from underneath God's authority. Sometimes God has to send us a brother in the place of Jesus to encourage us to go back to our master to serve Him. Somebody said this, if you save up for a rainy day, God will give you a rainy day. So we're best off to just, this is what I do. If you're, if you're under a bunch of debt, you're not free. The, 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 the borrower is servant to the lender. So I found out if I'm under a bunch of debt, I'm not free just to give whenever the Lord puts it on my heart to give. But this is what I do, and it's just between me and the Lord and my wife. Every once in a while, the Lord will be like, why don't you give something there? Why don't you bless this ministry? Why don't you help out that young single mother that's struggling? And the Lord will just say, and and I'm in such a position, I can do it. And it's not like God needs my money, but he's using it to be a blessing to other people and then reward me at the judgment seat of Christ. It's a win-win. But even in Christian churches, you'll find people bucking against, you don't, you mean to tell me, you're trying to tell me I got to come to church every Sunday? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Now, we live by the spirit of the law, not by the letter. And if you've got something you've got to do, sometimes you just, or sometimes you just can't get up out of bed. But to try to tell people, yes, you are commanded and expected to gather together, to try to tell people that these days, my goodness, it's, it's hard. It's hard. All the rebellion, my next point is this all the rebellion we see going on in the world today is due to one thing, I believe. All of the rebellion is due to one thing that people do not want to live under the rule of God. America is in a mess because of rebellion against God. I think it's that simple. Just like Philemon didn't want to live under the authority of his master, but once he got saved, then he was submissive to Jesus and went. And, and, and the Bible says, if, if you're saved, abide in the same calling wherein you were called. So go back to wherever God had you in life and stay there. So once he got saved, he was submissive. But before people are saved, the, the natural sinful person uh, does not want to be under the authority of God. And that's the problem. The problem today is not systemic racism. The problem today is systemic wickedness. That's the problem. It's not socialism in the White House. The problem today is sinfulness in God's house. That's the problem. That's what's withholding God's hand of blessing on our nation. We'll be in bondage to socialism uh, before we know it. And it won't be because of political ideas in the White House. It'll be because of what's going on in God's houses all over this country. One example. I'll give you one example. Don't get mad at me. I'm smiling. Like Mark Rogers says, you can't get mad at me if I'm smiling, but listen to the apostasy of one denomination. Alright, I won't name the denomination. I'll be a good be a good boy tonight. I won't name the denomination, but one denomination that you all know of, in just in Ohio, it has an eastern and a western district this is just one denomination has 70% now this is from a person who used to be a denominational preacher in that denomination and now he went out and he's independent 70% of their pastors in their churches are women that's not a I'm not trying to ding women it's not a slam on women that's unbiblical that's a departure from the authority that's my point The authority of the Word of God. 70% female pastors who have no business being in the pulpit preaching to a mixed congregation. 70%. In Colorado, the bishop of this particular denomination that is over the entire state, like in, in Ohio, you have a bishop over the eastern side and the western side. In Colorado, it's the whole state. The bishop is a female lesbian. Married. That's Christianity in America. That's where we really are. We just don't know it because we're so blessed right here. But listen, even in our own little church, you know the problem in our own little church? Sin in the camp. Examine yourselves. Don't 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 be looking around with the moat in your eye, trying to figure out the speck that's in this other denominational eye. Let's let's Keep it real right here at home. That's what's withholding God's blessing. And all of these errors will take over your family and my family because we don't have the power to withstand it. It's a spiritual battle. It's awful to think that science and Mother Nature receive the glory due to our Creator. Think of it. When you watch a a, a documentary, I love watching these things. And the things that God made, these beautiful things that God made, they give all the, cl- the glory to Mother Nature. It's sickening. Babies are cut to pieces by the millions. The nation is drenched with alcohol and plagued with drugs. There's moral abominations that are accepted as alternate lifestyles. The justice system dispenses very little justice and then sets the criminals free after a short stint in prison so they can continue their career as thugs and rapists and sexual predators and murderers. There's lying in politics and it's even applauded. Atheism is on the march. My last point is this. We've taken God out of the schools, colleges, and other places of learning. And what we've done in doing that is we've converted the the nation to naturalism. There's no other explanation than what you can see. And there's observable science. And they start with a false premise As looking at things as they are now and the way that sediments collect and they take that naturalistic view on things and they think that they can look at these measurements and then go back in time and then they look at evolution that way. And it's a false uh, start. It's a false starting point. It's naturalism. God is not even in the thoughts of people until something bad happens. This conspiracy theorist, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this Illustration: You might have heard of this conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. He lost his defamation trial. This is from the Friday Church news notes, August 12, 2022. Alex Jones, he was head of the InfoWars Conspiracy Nutrition Supplement, Survival Gear Empire. Uh, he's been ordered to pay 45.2 million dollars in damages punitive damages, for claiming that the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting was a government hoax. Conspiracy theorist. So he claimed that it was a hoax, and that dishonored all of those families. Why did that happen in Sandy Hook? Why did that happen? That's just God taking his hand of blessing and removing it. It's not God doing it. It's God taking his hand of blessing and removing it, and letting us see where our depraved ideas really lead. And so he, he had to pay all this money out, and 19 children and six staff members died in that massacre, but Jones claimed that no children died, and the families were actors in a government hoax. That current uh, trial is a defamation suit brought by Neil Heslin and Scarlett Lewis, parents of a six-year-old boy who died at Sandy Hook, Separate suits have been filed against Jones by two other Sandy Hook parents. On August 3rd, Jones finally acknowledged that the Sandy Hook shooting was 100% real. But you know, think about it like this. Psalm chapter 9, verse 17 says this, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all, A-double-L, all the nations that forget God. America is not excluded. America is being turned into hell today. The problem is not socialism. The problem is one of authority. The problem is authority. Preachers need to preach with authority. God's people need to submit to authority and pray to the only one who can really change things. And that's Jesus, right? He's the only one that can change things. No nation in, in the history of this world has ever had as much light as America. Right? We've heard this. We've got to be reminded of it, though, and we need the next generation to hear it. No nation has ever had as much light as the United States of America. That includes Israel. Because think about it. Israel only had the Old Testament. They didn't have... The New Testament. We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. More light than any other nation. And what have we done with it? There's only been two, two nations ever founded on the Word of God. Israel and the United States. What have we done with it as a nation? We rejected the light that was given to us. That's where we are in our country. You know what I know? And we're being chastised for it. And you know God loves His sweet people that are still reading the Bible and still praying and still witnessing. God loves us with an everlasting love. But you know what I know? Is if our families see us sincerely living under the authority of God with a sweet disposition, we can draw other people to Christ. But it's got to be real to us. Let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer. And then we'll uh, sing a closing hymn. Our God and Father, I pray that you'd seal this message to our hearts. Lord, we're preaching to the choir here today, but it's a good reminder for us. uh, And as we think about these things, Lord, help us not to be just griping about the situation, but to really see it for what it is and help us to do all that we can do. And Lord, I I would have to admit and everyone in this room would have to admit that uh, we need you and we need your Holy Spirit. To help us to be fully surrendered and fully yielded. Just to do whatever you would have us to do. And to do it with a sweet disposition. It's so easy to get bent out of shape with all the, all the garbage that's out there. Everything that we're hearing about. All the bad reports. Lord, help us not to lose our sweetness. And our submissiveness to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. What's our song? Let's stand and sing 489 and then we'll be dismissed. Amen.